Welcome to episode 219 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat, for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. ButcherBox.com slash IFPodcast with code IFPodcast. I will put all this information in the show notes. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 219 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I'm good. How are you? Good. For listeners, we're struggling. Jen and I forgot how we... I think you didn't say... Either you didn't say it or maybe my sound cut out. Because I swear I don't think I heard you say it. <laughs> I was waiting. We just sit by sitting here. But the the likelihood that it's my sound going out is highly likely because my internet is still wacky. Okay. We struggled recording our intro that we've recorded 219 times. <laughs> Good times. It's like when you're like so good at driving a car that you forget how to drive the car when you're trying to think about it. It's like, I don't know how to drive the car. How do you start the car? I don't know. Like you're driving and then you randomly for a second 
like overanalyze the lanes or like the turn signal or something. And you're like, wait. Yeah. Or we'll be driving in my car and Chad will say, how do you turn on the whatever? And I'm like, I have no idea. I just turn it on. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's so funny. You know, we run so many programs in the part of our brain that just runs it on autopilot. And when we think about it, it's a different part of our brain. So it's true. Like just try to walk and think about every action your body's making. and You just can't do it. Like even walking across the room. Stressful. It is. So anything new going on with you? Actually, yes. Well, more just updates. I'm continuing to take care of my my cucumbers, you know, and I, it's perfect timing because I'm reading a book called Flower Evolution, but it's about it's about flowers, but it is blowing my mind about plants. You know how we were talking last time about the consciousness of plants? Yes. Do you know they've done studies on plants where they put stress detectors on the plants and then they do things and the plants know. The plants freak out. Yeah. I am fascinated by that type of research and like, you know, even like playing music for plants or you're like, have you heard the studies about like what they do to water? And like scream at the water and then pour it in the plants. And the plants are like, oh, my God, what's happening? Just because you screamed at the water. Yeah. She said, okay, I have to read the original study. But she said they did one study where like the guy had a plant. So like it was his plant. And then he went to another state. They did a surprise birthday party for him. And at the moment that they screamed surprise and he got really scared, the plant like spiked. Wow. That's fascinating. You know, and it all does sound really crazy until you think about the fact that we are all just energy. And, you know, even my chemist husband, who's just, you know, Mr. Science Mind, he's like, yep, that's true. We are all energy, you know, at our molecular level. And and we're mostly space and we're energy. And so the way our energy is all connected, like quantum physics, it's just way so, so much. There's so much that we're still understanding. Something that made it seem very clear and not as woo-woo to me was she compared it to the internet and text messages. And, you know, we send messages every day through energy, (laughs) like with text messages. The only reason it's woo-woo is because we don't understand it. That's what she said. She says, but we don't understand the, like, the plant language. Like, we don't understand that energy system. So we don't think it's there. Like, we think it's not real. Well, it's like when they used to think, like, you know, thunder was God is mad at you didn't understand scientifically why we were having thunder. When we can't understand it, we think, well, that can't be true. Or that has to have a magical source or whatever. But yeah, it is fascinating. It's it's why you just can't discount things, even though it might sound like you said, woo-woo. Yeah, exactly. Second update. <laughs> I am prepping for Walter Longo for the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Remember when we interviewed him, Jen? Yes. Now, what if I had said, no, I don't remember that? (laughs) That would be crazy. Yeah. No, I do remember. I'm rereading his book. Is it Longevity Diet? Yes. The Longevity Diet. There are so many books with the word longevity in them. It's interesting to me how much I forgot from that book. Like, I don't know, just like rereading it now, because I only read it a few years ago, but I feel like I'm reading it for the first time. It was like four years ago, right? Or was it 18? Was it 18 that we had? Probably 2018. Okay, that was three years ago. Do you want to play the guessing game for something from it? Oh, Lordy. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I just read this. I just read this right before we got on the call. I was like, oh, this is the perfect guessing game question for listeners. So Walter Longo is the 
I don't know if he's the director of, but he he's at the Gerontology Longevity Institute at USC, and he is a fasting researcher, and he developed the fasting mimicking diet, and his company is Prolon. So he's all about fasting. Oh, and he's in everything. I feel like everything I watch now, I see him. He was in that Goop Lab show. I've been watching Zac Efron's show on Netflix called Something About the Earth. It's a lot of like biohacking health stuff. He was in that. I just keep seeing him everywhere. In any case, what do you think when they were studying fasting, water fasts in mice, what was the four changes that they identified as the important protective anti-aging health promoting factors of fasting that they tried to recreate the fasting mimicking diet? Like they wanted to create a diet that would create these four factors. Isn't this a fun game? Well, no, it's going to be hard. <laughs> All right, number one would be calorie restriction. Okay, wait, no, I don't understand the question. So like when they tested the blood, like what for blood markers? Okay, okay, okay. So I'm going to say blood glucose went down. Yes, one. Oh, this is so fun. <laughs> Insulin went down. I thought that would have been one of them. But did they not test it? He didn't list it as the four, so. Okay. It's in their blood. Okay, so did, I mean, ketones go up? Yes, two. Okay. I don't know. Do mice have cholesterol? Do they measure cholesterol? I don't know. It's not one of the ones. Okay. All right. So I got two of them. Let's see. I think you can get the third. I don't think you'll get the fourth. Something they're measuring in the blood of mice. Okay, blood glucose down, ketones up. I don't know, cortisol? No. I can give you a hint. It relates to growth. Oh, human growth hormone went up. Mm, no. Okay, well, then I don't know. You're just going to have to tell me. You're close. Lower IGF-1. And then the fourth one that I didn't think you would get, higher IGFBP one <laughs> Yeah, I was not going to get that. Which is a growth factor inhibitor. I still didn't get it. <laughs> Even though you said it, I couldn't tell you that, no. So basically, I just found that was really interesting. So they found with the water fast that there was lower IGF-1, which that's a growth factor promoter, lower glucose, so lower blood sugar, higher ketones, and then higher growth factor IGF-BP1, and that's a growth factor inhibitor. So when they created Prolon or the fasting mimicking diet, they wanted to create a diet that would create those four factors. So pretty cool. Very cool. Anything new with you? You know, not really. I'm in kind of a fabulous, nothing new kind of a time. It feels good. Like, I have been so stressed out the whole, like, from the beginning of the year till when I turned my book in and also the new Delay Don't Deny Social Network. So it has been, like, just bam, bam, bam. Like, I don't even know where the year went so far. We're already in June. And so I've got a big family beach trip coming up, and it just feels – of course, I've got a lot of editing coming up these different weeks when they're going to send me the, you know, the copy edits and whatever. But right now, I'm in a nice little lull. I'm reading. I think I talked about this before. I bought a hummingbird feeder from my front yard yesterday. The lady said there probably aren't going to be any hummingbirds for a while. It's a little early or something. I don't know. Like they're in their little nests. Can you imagine how cute a little hummingbird nest is? Oh my gosh. I know. I would just die if I could see a hummingbird nest. 
That'd be so cute. So anyway, I was I was joking with some friends yesterday. I was like, does this mean I'm like legit old and retired? Because I'm putting my hummingbird feeder in my yard <laughs> and I'm going to stare at it. I spent like an hour before this pruning my cucumbers. Okay. Well, and that is not a euphemism, people. <laughs> wait, wait, what? A euphemism? A euphemism. It's when you, you say one thing, but it means something else. For pruning my cucumbers? Yeah. Oh, spicy. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I don't even know what that would be, but it just sounded a little bit like one of those (laughs) double meaning kind of phrases. No, these are very real cucumbers. I do want to say the, the little baby birds that we had in the nest around Mother's Day, they're gone. They've moved out of the nest. Where did they go? I mean, I guess they flew away. Where do birds go? <laughs> but we actually thought for a brief period of time that they were going to die because Ellie had a bird in the dining room, and we thought it was Mama Bird. And then it seemed injured, but we put it out, and Chad's like, that bird's going to die. If that was Mama Bird, the babies are going to die. And then we were, like, really sad for a while. But I don't know. That bird might not have been injured. If it was Mama Bird, she came back and fed them. So the babies didn't die. The last time Chad looked in there at the nest, they were big. He's like, they're they're getting so big. Anyway, the circle of life. This is what I'm doing. It's pretty much birds. <laughs> birds and the bees. I'm contemplating. I don't know. I wish I could get a pet bee to pollinate my flowers. I think you need a whole ecosystem. That sounds like too much. What's next? <laughs> I was seriously contemplating this. Though. I was like, could I have a pet bee? I don't think so. I don't think it's got everything it needs to thrive. Oh, right. Because then I have to feed the bee. Well. Oh, wait. The bee eats the flap. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Well, it gets the nectar and then it does something with it. It's getting the nectar out of there, then takes the nectar back to its hive. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. I don't think it's like eats the nectar. I think it like eats the nectar, then spits it up in the hive. I'm not sure. Oh, I do remember that. Something. Yeah. It's like all coming back to me. It's like bee spit. Honey is bee spit. Right? Another fact I learned from the book about bees and flowers, <laughs> did you know bees, they used to think bees were attracted to the flower's color and scent? Isn't it something with like ultraviolet light, like a runway? Yeah, it's like it's like the energy. It's like not the flowers, or it's not the color. It, if you look at the flower differently, like it's a different wavelength. It's not the visible light spectrum that we see. It's a different wavelength, like. On, you could see under all it's like a like if you go to like the airport and there's like on the runway like go here like arrows it's kind of like that to the bee it's like a landing strip the way it looks to the bee i think i think so for some reason that's in my head it's the, all the elementary school knowledge that you have <laughs> like maybe i saw it on a magic school bus or something Oh my goodness. I asked in my Facebook group for ideas about turning my podcast into a TV show. And one person said it should be like the adult version of Magic School Bus. I got so excited. (laughs) That would be so incredible. And they were like, and David Sinclair could be like the narrator. Oh my goodness. Very cool. I loved that TV show when I was a teacher. But see, you were a kid. I was a teacher. I could have been your fourth grade teacher. Oh, it's true. Could you have? Yes. Yes, I was teaching fourth grade in 1990. You could not have been my fourth grade teacher. Oh, wait. Well, you were teaching it after then, too? Yes, and after then. Yes. I mean, I could only not have been your teacher if you were in fourth grade prior to 1990. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Wow. I know. That's how old I am. (laughs) That would have been so crazy. 
I know. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get 20% off one of my favorite things for truly taking charge of your health, including testing something we talk about all the time, your insulin levels. So to live your healthiest and longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source that would be your body. By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science backed recommendations on things that you can take control of to optimize your health. What I love about Inside Tracker is that Inside Tracker tests provide optimal ranges, not conventional ranges, for over 40 biomarkers, including magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol, ferritin, which is the storage form of iron that is rare for doctors to test, ApoB, three key female biomarkers, and something I am so excited about, Inside Tracker recently added insulin testing to their ultimate plan. Friends, I am thrilled about this. We talk about insulin all the time on this show. It is so relevant to your metabolic health and your lifespan. In particular, insulin tracking is an early warning sign for several chronic diseases and is a key indicator of energy optimization. It can really let you know if your diet, if your fasting is working for you, you want to test your insulin. It is so hard to get doctors to test insulin, and now you can do it with Inside Tracker. The thing I love most about Inside Tracker is that they have a strict science-backed approach to everything they do. If your specific biomarker level is unoptimized, Inside Tracker actually provides recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and personalized to you. This process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. And for a limited time, our audience can get 20% off their ultimate plan, which includes testing that insulin when you sign up at insidetracker.com slash IF podcast. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And one of the things I really love about Inside Tracker is it helps you track all of your results, all of your tests over time, so you can see patterns, see your history. It makes predictions of where you'll be if you continue on your current trajectory. It is a game changer for making sense of your labs. I am obsessed with Inside Tracker. Again, you can get 20% off their ultimate plan, including testing your insulin levels at insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And we will put all of this information in the show notes. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. We have a question from Ryan and the subject is IF all or nothing. Ryan says, thanks for the comprehensive and fun pod. I've been IFing for eight months and know it has influenced my eating for life. I'm a 35-year-old male who started IF for the health benefits and lifestyle compatibility. I'm finding myself fit as I was a decade ago with my exercise during these IF months oriented around cardio and mid to low intensity body weight workouts. Recently, however, I've increased the intensity of my body weight workouts in a push for the summer body I always wanted but never once had. Removing breakfast and lunch in lieu of a nighttime window has increased my work performance, which is great, and I exercise after work in the fasted state before opening my window until bedtime. I've also finally learned to respect the need for adequate sleep, 
which prompts the first part of my issue. My window, typically three to four hours, seems no longer large enough to accommodate the calorie intake I need without uncomfortably stuffing myself. I usually spend one or both weekend days eating normally and have started switching my Wednesdays back to non-IF as well, but my body tells me I'm still not getting enough calories in, which wasn't a problem until this recent exercise change. One obvious solution would be to give up my insistence that all workouts occur in the fasted state and to eat lunch or a smaller meal in the early afternoon. Enter the second part of my issue. I've learned a lunch will throw me for a mental loop for the rest of the workday. Even if it's a low-carb salad with lean protein and healthy fats, for example, avocados, nuts, and seeds, I feel mentally foggy and have notable loss of cognitive function and alertness. I knew this was a problem when my boss asked me on multiple occasions if I was okay, which itself is a sign that I was not. And this was an issue before the recent increase in exercise intensity. So I know ratcheting back the exercise won't solve it. Have you experienced this or counseled others who've dealt with it? I can't be trapped by IF such that deviating from my usual eating schedule puts me somewhat out of commission on work matters. Successful days are either entirely non-IF are fully IF with my usually intense but short nighttime window. I'd really appreciate your thoughts. Many thanks, Ryan. Oh my goodness, Jen. I have to tell you something. And I can tell listeners as well. I'm so upset. So for listeners, I just went to turn off the pumps on the hydroponic plant things. And I realized I hadn't turned the pump on one of them. I hadn't turned the pump back on from my last podcast interview. So the pump hasn't been running for a few days. It'll be okay. Plants are are hardy. Think about in the real world, they have to be able to withstand droughts. They have to be able to withstand monsoons. They are resilient. It will be okay. I was sitting there today. I was like staring at it and I was like, I just feel like it's not getting the nutrients it needs. That's probably why. It is fine. It will be okay. Thank you for talking me off the ledge. Just think, think about how in nature, plants can do all sorts of crazy things. They're hardy. Okay. So it's okay. Okay. I'm glad that that happened. Your plant was fasting. Yes. Um, (laughs) But they're in a growth mode right now. Remind me at the end to turn the pump back on. So Ryan, this is a really great question. And I thought about it a lot and I have so many thoughts. Okay. To start, I hope I can articulate all of this well. So the first thing I have is a question. He talks about how he upped his workout to get the summer body, you know, the summer body that he always wanted but never had. He doesn't tell us what his weight or what his stats were before. So it's important to know. I'm guessing this is like the final push, that stubborn last part especially since it's like for the summer body. And the reason I think that's important is I'm wondering when he says that he feels like he's not getting the amount of fuel. Does he say fuel or calorie intake? He says calorie intake. The Remember, we talked about this last time. The fuel comes from what you're taking in, but also from your body. So, all right. So his body says that he's not getting enough calories in. So I'm curious what he's experiencing, feeling like he's not getting enough calories. Like, is it hunger? Is it lack of energy? Does he feel like he's not building adequate muscle? Like, what is it? And the reason I'm emphasizing that is that if this is the final push, I feel like it's a situation where it might be normal to experience hunger 
Does that make sense? Like if it's the final push to do something that's a little bit resistant, I don't know if doing so can be done without feeling any sort of a little hungry. Yeah. So I would evaluate first as far as like, maybe like, are you getting enough calories in? Maybe you are for the goal that you're achieving. I don't know because I don't know exactly where he's at. But that's my first part. And I also want to do a disclaimer and a clarification. Oh, well, obviously that we're not doctors. But two, I do think when it comes to this, as far as the body having hormonal issues and things like that, that it's less common in men. Men can more healthfully do what Ryan is doing than women without having to worry quite as much about creating a lot of hormonal damage. So, and the reason I say that is... If it is a natural state of hunger that he actually needs to be in to get the quote body he wants, it might all be okay. All of that said, the continuation of my thoughts, I, first of all, I completely relate with when you're doing fasting and then it's hard to go back to daytime eating and experiencing the brain fog or the loss of cognitive function, like he says. And I'm really jealous. I feel like some people do fasting and like a one meal day type thing, and then they are able to eat on days that they want and they don't experience that. And I'm really jealous, but that's not me. So I completely, completely understand and identify with that. So my suggestion would be like, what do you want to preserve with everything? So it looks like you really want to preserve the fasted state in the the work day. Like it looks like that's the thing that's really important to keep. The mental clarity. Right. So I would keep that, obviously. And then, so you're going to have to adjust other factors if you do decide that you really do need more calories. Well, I like what he's doing where he says he he said he was doing one or two days of the weekend not fasting. So just do both days of the weekend not fasting as like a thing. And then he talks about potentially fueling the workout or like not doing the workout in the fasted state. Again, if you decide that that you can still get the body composition changes that you want while not working out in the fastest state some days, then I think that's completely fine. This might actually, this might sound crazy, but this might be a thing where you might want to do like a bulletproof decaf coffee and, and don't really qualify it either way about it being part of the fast. Like just, you might be able to do something with the workouts to get in more calories throughout the day and fuel the workouts without breaking the the cognitive state and getting the lethargy. So this might actually be a situation where something like MCT oil before some of the workouts might actually work for you. I'm also wondering, I'm guessing it sounds like you cram everything into your window, your dinner window. I'm guessing there's not really much room to lengthen that at all. Otherwise I'm assuming you would have done that. But if there is a way you could do that, even if it's like just changing around how you're prepping your dinner. Maybe there's a way that you can eat your dinner sooner after your workout and have a longer window. Also, if you wanted to add just calories to your window and make them more easily absorbable without feeling like you're completely stuffing yourself, that actually might be something where I brought up the MCT oil. You might be able to add that to your food, to your dinner, and that actually might, A, get you even faster to your goals because I personally experienced, and there's this girl on Instagram who's been talking about it a lot. She has a big following, but they're experimenting with adding MCT oil to the meals and actually losing more weight. So (laughs) that might be a way to actually add in a lot of calories, but 
also move you closer to your goal. I would also, the very last thing is, this is a little bit ironic because I'm, I'm saying focus on protein and nutrient density. The reason I think it's ironic is because if you're not doing this already, which I feel like he probably is based on what he, he said, the type of things that he eats. True, if you eat more protein, it's actually going to make it harder to eat more. <laughs> and I know he's thinking that he needs to eat more, but it's the nutrients, especially with the bodybuilding state and the fat loss state that you want to be eating so and need to be eating. So it might be possible that you don't actually need to eat more calories, but you just need to focus on the protein and the nutrients. So playing around with what you're eating, it might not be a calorie thing. It might be a macronutrient nutrient thing. Those are my thoughts. I thought about it a lot. Yeah. It, it's all just a matter of, you know, tweak it till it's easy, Ryan, and finding what feels good to you. And you'll really only know it when you feel it and you find it. So it sounds like you were feeling great before you increased the intensity of your workouts. And that made you feel hungrier, like you weren't getting enough to eat. And then having the longer window, including lunch, takes away that mental clarity that you were enjoying so much. I mean, that totally makes sense. But, you know, think about what we always were told, you know, by our grandparents, you know, exercise, you're working up a good appetite, right? And so your body is telling you you need more fuel if if that's what, indeed what, what your body is telling you. And it sounds logical to me. So, you know, figuring out a way, and this is where you've just got to tweak it, like I said, figure out a way to... I mean, I would not suggest having the lunch because clearly that's not feeling right. That would not be the tweak I would make. But playing around with maybe having something in the late afternoon, a little something, and then having your workout. So you, you hinted earlier that you would consider maybe not working out in the fasted state. So try that. You know, just see how that goes. I don't think it's, you know, you said... The only way you're having success is to be either all or nothing, non-IF or fully IF. You know, it, and then you, you said you have a intense but short nighttime window. I also want you to consider that as you get to your goal, you're probably going to need more fuel just in light of the fact that you're not going to be burning as much body fat. So like I found when I got to my goal size, I, I did need a little more food than I was to lose weight. You need to eat more in maintenance than you did to lose the weight. And you're, you know, because that's just how, you know, our bodies are hungrier because we're maintaining and we're we're not getting as much fuel from our stored fat, if that makes sense. I think I just talked in circles, but hopefully I made sense with it. But, you know, depending on how much fat you're still burning and how much working out you're doing, think about lengthening that window, but not so long as to impact your workday and make you sluggish. So you've got to figure out how you can do that. I wonder if you could work work out early before work. Then you'd like really be ready to go for work and then have like an afternoon snack before the end of work. I thought about that, but then I thought he probably would just be hungry and would have the cognitive issues of eating. Well, it depends. I mean, I don't know. Working out in the fasted state, it might just really pop up as alertness, make him feel better and more alert because he's deep in the fat-burning state and then have a longer window on the, the back end. Yeah, I, I guess it would depend if it makes him super hungry right after. Exactly. I mean, it would depend on that. I find that when I'm really, really active in the fast that I'm not as hungry 
for a while after the working out, during the fasted workout. But that's it all changes up when just in, maybe the next day I might be hungrier, though. I really do believe that if your body is sending you I'm hungry signals, there's a reason. I mean, the reason might be that it's it's this final push, and that's why it might be something that you have to just accept. It's hard to know like where he's at and what he's trying to do. And like I said, I'm much more comfortable talking about this when it's a man than a female. Not because it's a gender bias, because it's just literally their bodies are different. One other thing I thought of, so I'm actually interviewing tomorrow, John Jaquish. I don't know how you say his last name. I think I might have mentioned it. Did I mention him to you, Jen? He's the, he makes the X3 resistant band system. Yes, you mentioned him to me. I'm really excited because I learned so much in that book. And and it was a situation where, because I don't actively seek out exercise science books or information. I I probably should, but it's, so it's really nice when it just kind of lands in my lap. Like they, you know, reached out to me to bring him on the show, but he's been on like Dave Asprey and a lot of other shows and other podcasters that I listen to have been mentioning his bands. His book goes into like the exercise science of muscle building. I learned so much. It's so interesting when something is not something that you're steeped in normally, like tomorrow with the, with, when we record, I just, I just still don't feel like I have the knowledge that I would like to engage in an intellectual dialogue about it, but it's fine. I'm going to learn. The point of all this was he talks about usability of proteins. So, and I was trying to look up charts online because I think he actually said that, because I think people often say that whey protein is super usable and that's why they use it. But I, I feel like he said in the book that it wasn't, which is confusing, but something that also might help Ryan is experimenting with the type of protein that he's eating. So for example, like egg whites are typically known to have the the highest bioavailability and and then fish and fish is more easily digestible sometimes than other meats. So you might be able to eat more of it and also get more protein that you need. And then meat is farther down the line. I was trying to figure out exactly where chicken lies, but that might be something to look up. You could Google protein bioavailability. Can I tell you something cool that I just thought of while you were talking? We have new neighbors across the street, and they have gutted the house across the street from the 60s, and they are totally rebuilding it. And so they're there a lot. And now that I'm sitting in the front yard, since we're redoing our backyard, I have a lot of time to talk to them because they're in the front, you know, waiting for the workers, you know, that are working on the house to lo- they can lock up. Well, the husband of the couple, he is a retired exercise physiology researcher. Fascinating stuff. He was telling me all these stories about he worked with like top level tennis players and the impact of heat and sweat. And like he taught, he wouldn't tell me what tennis player it was, but it's somebody we would know. And he was, had like, like the amount of sweat output he was having. And, you know, so he helped him with electrolyte supplementation based on that. So he and I had like a great discussion about electrolyte supplementation and who needed it and who didn't. It was really fascinating. And this just in the wild with my neighbor. No, that's amazing. Exercise science is so fascinating. It really is. So basically, a lot of us don't need it. the electrolyte supplementation. But some people do. You know, obviously this high-level tennis player who was working out like crazy and sweating like buckets, he had the highest sweat output, like I said, that this this exercise researcher had ever seen, is going to need, you know, supplementation. I think a lot of people who are not eating the standard American diet need electrolytes more because our processed food is so high in sodium. 
And when people switch to a whole foods diet, they lose a lot of electrolytes. Well, he he and I didn't get into that, but he, we also talked about children and how much heat they can take, you know, which was interesting to me as an elementary teacher. He actually was instrumental in the writing the American Academy of Pediatrics advice for, you know, what kids can do in the heat before they need to like, you know, hydrate and stuff like that. Basically, healthy kids are very resilient and there's no one size fits all. That was the best thing that I took away from the whole conversation, which is everything we say all the time. There is no one size fits all recommendation for anything. And he, you know, as a science researcher, you know, found that in everything he was doing as well. He like he talked about the how difficult it was because the American Academy of Pediatrics wanted a one size fits all recommendation. And he's like, if you're going to do that, I refuse to be part of it. He's like, I'm not doing that. One of the things that John says all throughout the book is how he thinks exercise science is like it has a lot of tenets in it that it sort of wanted to cling to and that it was hard to evolve appropriately. Well, that's all science. Yeah. And I, I think that's true because when you come up believing something and you're trained in it, you, you know, just like the cholesterol paradigm, for example, and, you know, with doctors, that's just one example. When you're trained in something and it's what you believe, it's hard to shift what, you, you know, as, as we learn new things. That's true for all of us. Actually, one of the stories that Walter Longo tells in his book is how, I guess, in like 1994, because there's all, all of these debating theories about aging and longevity and what causes aging. And I guess he formed the idea that we have programs for aging. So like cells are programmed to die at a certain time. And maybe you can manipulate those programs based on, you know, diet and fasting and things like that. He says a story about how I guess he had a debate in like 1994 about the the cause of aging and he put forth his thesis and he said the at the end the audience like voted and the audience was all scientists and lots of people like that and they voted like who they thought was correct and he lost like with the follow-up polls he had actually convinced like over half of the people of his idea but people don't like in I guess in science you know they it's hard to not accept the you know the current idea, even if they think that something else makes more sense. It's true. Confirmation bias is real. And the the inability to change your paradigm is hard. It's hard for people to do when you've believed something for so long. But we all we all have that in us and we have to fight against it. <laughs> also the power of group think. So like not wanting to go against all the studies they do where they have people like people enter rooms and they don't know that it's a setup and everybody will do something like weird, but because everybody else is doing it, they'll start doing it or they like won't. And this happened to me in real life the other day and I saw it happening and I was like, I know this is what this is, but I still did it. So, so outside of my apartment, there's like the, the street and there's parallel parking on both sides. And you know how, how parking and streets around communities or neighborhoods can be kind of casual, like <laughs> people might park the wrong way with the parallel parking because it's like not the outside world. The road right outside of my apartment, there's parallel parking and everybody on one side was parked the wrong way. Like they were all parked opposite the flow of traffic with the parallel parking. And so there was an, one open space and there's like six spots. And I was like, do I park the way I know I'm supposed to park or do I park the wrong way like every other single car? So I parked the wrong way. 
And I was like, this is what this is. Like, that'd be hard for me as a rule follower. Would you park the right way? It might would depend on what was convenient. Was it more convenient for you to park the quote right way? Or was it more convenient for you to park like everybody else based on the way your car was pointed? Oh, at the time? Yeah. That's a good question. I, I don't remember, but I definitely sat there and I was like, hmm. That would be a factor. Yeah, that actually might have been a factor now that I think about it. But I definitely had the debate. I was like, this is what this is. This is me wanting to (laughs) go with the group. All right. Shall we go on to our next question? Yes. All right. So we have two questions sort of related. The first one is from Michelle. And the subject is not working slash PCOS. And Michelle says, hey, ladies, love your podcast. I have been intermittent fasting for about a month now. I'm doing a 24, sometimes 19.5 window, eating from 3 to 7 p.m., and I feel really good while fasting. However, I am gaining weight, not losing. I do treat myself to ice cream somewhat frequently, but other than that, I eat mostly meat, veggies, fruits, and rice. I also exercise for 30 minutes, about three to four times a week, usually jogging or weightlifting. I have PCOS, which I know can make weight loss harder, but I can't help but feel discouraged. I'm not planning to stop doing IF because I really like it, but any advice on what I should change or do differently? How long does it take to start losing? Lastly, my husband and I are trying to start a family. With PCOS, it's a bit harder, but we are working with a great OBGYN and are hopeful. I listened to your IF Stories podcast with the OBGYN, and I've heard you guys mention great things about IF for people with PCOS, but my mom keeps sending me articles that say not to do IF when trying to become pregnant because it messes with your cycle. Should I be worried about that? Thanks for all you do. And then a continuation of that after we answer that. We can also address Katie's question about pregnancy. And she says, hi, ladies, love your podcast. I'm currently testing out intermittent fasting. After many hours of research, I see that IF may not be suitable for those trying to get pregnant or those who are pregnant. Could you shed some light on this? I am trying to conceive, but don't want to do anything to harm myself or the baby. Thank you. All right. So of course, the number one best advice is have these conversations with your OBGYN and don't take what we're saying as advice of what you should do. Even the doctor I'm getting ready to mention, Dr. Cecily Ganhart, Michelle mentioned, she says the same thing. I am not your doctor, she'll say. You know, I've seen her on Instagram say it. I am not, even though I am a doctor, I'm not your doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice. That would be her talking, not me, because I'm not a doctor. So I'm definitely not giving you medical advice. But even a doctor will not give you medical advice at random. So just keep that in mind. So I want to first go to what Katie said. Do not do intermittent fasting while you're pregnant, 100%. For everybody who has not yet listened to the episode that Michelle was talking about, it's episode 34 of Intermittent Fasting Stories, Dr. Cecily Ganhart. If you go to just any Google whatever and type in Intermittent Fasting Stories, Cecily Ganhart, Ganhart is G-A-N-H-E-A-R-T, or probably you could type in Intermittent Fasting Stories, episode 34. It'll take you to her episode, and she's an OBGYN who is an intermittent faster herself, but she also works with a lot of patients who have PCOS and fertility issues. And her strategy that she uses with those patients is intermittent fasting coupled with dietary changes. So not to be flippant, I would listen to her before I would listen to your mom. Sorry, mom. 
You know, I think Dr. Ganhart knows based on what's working with patients. You know, you could find all sorts of articles that say literally anything, including the earth is flat. And so I would not go based on articles anyone is sending you from the Internet unless they're like written by a doc. You know, they're sending you medical journals. That would be different. With PCOS, Michelle, let's address that first of all. PCOS is linked to high insulin levels. So the reason intermittent fasting works so well is because it lowers your insulin levels naturally because you're fasting clean and insulin goes down during the fast. But that is also why Dr. Ganhart with her PCOS patients works on what they're eating as well. Because when you describe what you're eating, mostly meat, veggies, fruits, and rice, she tends to employ a low-carb approach with her PCOS patients because that's also great at lowering insulin. And that's what you're targeted, you're trying to do. So she finds with her patients that when you lower insulin levels, fertility increases. And that is what you're, you're hoping to find. You're hoping for increased fertility. So lowering insulin should be what you're focused on. You know, on the flip side, there's the whole mastering diabetes mindset of actually eating low fat, high carb, also to lower your insulin levels. So you just really have to decide. I think both are good at it, but you can't be like they're in the middle. You know, Melanie and I have talked about that many times. In the middle is where it's murkier. If your goal is lowering insulin levels, you need to really kind of commit to one or the other if if it's, you know, for for this purpose of fertility with PCOS. So, you know, back to Katie's question as well, who didn't say anything about being PCOS, you know, should she do intermittent fasting while she's trying to get pregnant? Well, that depends. As long as you're not using intermittent fasting in an overly restrictive way, it's likely to not be a problem. But if, you know, just like Melanie talked about a few minutes ago when we were reading Ryan's question, women's hormones are more delicate in a state of over-restriction. So you don't want to over-restrict while you're trying to get pregnant. But intermittent fasting is not necessarily overly restrictive. That's the whole, I mean, I also wouldn't do the HCG diet when I'm trying to get pregnant. I wouldn't do a a very low-calorie diet when I was trying to get pregnant. You need to nourish your body well. But you could do that in the intermittent fasting paradigm, but you just have to be mindful of how you're nourishing your body. So back to Michelle, who said that she's been doing intermittent fasting for about a month and not losing weight and actually gaining weight. That's not that's not abnormal. You know, I talk about that in Fast Feast Repeat. That's why I want you to take that whole first month as just, you know, the 28-day fast start. You're nailing the clean fast. You're not even looking at the scale. And then after that, you can start you know, tweaking it for weight loss, if that's your goal. You know, the, the foods are going to be even more important if you're if you're trying to think about getting pregnant. But I just don't know. If, if your goal is fertility right now, maybe weight loss should not be your goal. Put that on the back burner and focus on nourishing your body in an eating window that feels good to you, getting insulin down. I think that's your best bet. And also ready to quit the intermittent fasting as soon as you find out that you're pregnant. Back when I had the Facebook groups, we heard all the time from people who had trouble with fertility, started intermittent fasting, bam, then they were pregnant. Did I get to everything that she said? Yes. Well, and then I guess just to clarify, when you actually are pregnant, stop. Yes. That was a really fabulous answer. You know, Dr. Ganhart says that. She loves intermittent fasting. But she does not want you to do it when you are pregnant. Do it, you know, as as part of healing the PCOS. Then take a break until the baby is weaned. 
not just through the pregnancy, but all the way through the breastfeeding time too. And do you know why that my number one reason for not recommending breastfeeding and, and intermittent fasting, Melanie, is not just about your milk flow and your supply, like some people think. Is it because toxins? Yeah. Yeah. We're in a different world now. You know, somebody... It was actually, I was having this conversation we were having with one of the moderators in the group, one of the Delay Don't Deny moderators. I'm not there anymore. I mean, it was a really good conversation. It wasn't like a bad conversation or anybody was in trouble or we were mad. No, it was just we were having a conversation behind the scenes about breastfeeding. And one of the moderators said, you know, I can't think that it would actually be really a problem because women always were breastfeeding their babies in times of famine and then they were able to. I'm like, well, a lot of things are different now. First of all, not just because your baby is going to be fine. We want your baby to be optimal, not just fine. So that's one thing. But just having a milk supply is not the only thing because now we live in such a toxic world. This was reiterated when I was researching for Cleanish. How many toxins are actually passed through breast milk to the babies? It's because we're just like in this whole chemical soup now. Even if you're trying really hard not to be, you are. You can't help it. And so you've got toxins stored in your fat, even if you live a pretty clean life. And so when you're breastfeeding, if your fat is dumping out, if you're losing fat, then you're going to be releasing, you know, those toxins from your fat stores. So it's almost like you really don't want to be losing weight at all while you are pregnant or breastfeeding. Because of the toxins. And it's, this is different. This is not like, you know, thousands of years ago when people were still able to grow a healthy baby, even with all the crazy, you know, famines and whatever they were going through. We've got a different environment than they had. I was going to bring that up. And also, one of the biggest detox moments that a woman experiences is actually when she's pregnant because the toxins actually are go through the placenta into the baby. And that's why it's so, so important that those, so those toxins are coming from, you know, processed food, our environment. And then that's why we always talk about our skincare and makeup, because that is one of our largest sources of exposure. If you're, if you're using conventional skincare and makeup, you are literally putting on probably compounds straight into your body. And these are endocrine disruptors. And there's been thousands of compounds that Europe has banned. They had, they actually regulate it there. The U S has banned around a dozen. Like you can pull it up on their website, on the FDA. (laughs) They list like 12 things. It's true. And, you know, when I was researching for Cleanish, it really just made it so much more important than it ever had before. Like the understanding of why this is so important. You know, I have a whole chart in Cleanish about all the things they found in the cord blood of the babies and in the the breast milk. And it's shocking. So we really, I don't want to scare people into like being afraid to live because, you know, we have to live. But there's a lot going on. Well, that's why I love Beauty Counter. Me too. And oh, and by the way, for women, because Beauty Counter makes skincare that you need, they make sunscreen, they make shampoo and conditioner, which I love. They make makeup. Their makeup is amazing. Tina Fey actually wore it at the Golden Globes this past year. But they also make, I don't think most people realize this, they have a line for kids. So they have like a baby wash and diaper balm and all of that stuff. So, And for men, they have a men's line. By the time this comes out, this will have aired. But for Father's Day, my dad is getting a lot of beauty counter. He's getting beauty counter and dry farm wines. I emailed dry farm wines and asked if they could make me a... Because normally those wines are on the lighter side, like body-wise. But he likes... 
like heavy cabs. So I asked if they could make me a box of like the heaviest cabs that they have. So fun fact, if you like dry farm wines, you can email them and they will make you a special box for whatever you want. So I did that for him. And then I did it for a friend who specifically likes wines from the Loire Valley. So I was like, can you make me a box of wines from the Loire Valley? So fun times. So links, if you want any of that, a bottle for a penny of Dry Farm Wines is at dryfarmwines.com slash I have podcast. And then you can shop with us at Beauty Counter at melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter. Awesome. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Her mom was talking about IF messing with your cycles. So, and Jen talks about this, but yes, if IF is too restrictive, then it can create hormonal problems. So the emphasis, and it's a slight change in words, is that her mom is cautioning her not to do IF because it messes with your cycle. The way to approach it would be, is it messing with your cycle? So if your cycle's not changing, I don't think IF is like sneakily changing your cycle behind the scenes, but it still appears normal. Like you will know. <laughs> and also, you know, on the flip side of that, people often have cycle changes as their bodies are adjusting to IF and then things regulate. So just because you have a couple of months that are wonky doesn't mean, uh-oh, I better quit. Exactly. And it doesn't happen, like, it's it's not that fast. If it does cause hormonal problems, that's going to happen later as you're, you're, you know, as you're going. If things will get, if things start getting worse and worse and worse and worse, bad sign. But if things are weird for a while, then they improve, that's normal. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on was, I think a lot of the fear surrounding fasting and, like, fertility Well, Jen talked about this already, that people equate fasting with over-restriction, which it can be. It can easily be, but it's not a synonym for it. The other thing, though, and I've talked about this on prior episodes as well, but the majority of studies in fertility for females that are used to create this idea of it being an issue are in rodents. And I, I just can't say this enough. So rodents are reproducing on a much faster timeline. They have a shorter lifespan. They're a much shorter lifespan. I think it's like two years max. They're reproducing much more frequently. So they're much more sensitive to factors that would throw that off. Stressors. Yeah. They do quote, you know, time-restricted eating in a rat where they're fasting for like a day. That's, That's days and days, if not weeks in a human of fasting. So- those two factors together, the fact that the fasting studies in rats are the equivalent of very long extended fasts, and they're more sensitive to fertility issues with fasting anyways. If you see a rodent study that says fasting creates hormonal problems and fertility, I don't think you can make those connections to humans at all. So I am actually, I actually just finished reading an entire book about female fertility and the female cycle and all of that. And it was very, very informative. I learned so much. I actually, I didn't know about the different phases of the cycle, like, you know, the follicular and the luteal and ovulatory. And I didn't know how hormones changed and I learned so much. So I'm probably going to do an episode with that author about that book. But the author does talk about fasting and its effects on fertility and makes the case that fasting is, you know, very detrimental for fertility. And if there were an author to make this case, If there were studies that really showed this, I think the author would have found those studies and put them in. 
but there really weren't any studies listed that to me seemed to make that case. Like there was a rodent study. There were some studies that showed hormonal changes, but overall it was more nuanced and complex than fasting is bad for your hormones or something like that. The reason I say that is I think a lot of people have this idea that fasting is a negative thing for fertility, but when you actually sit down and look at the literature, I don't see it anywhere. I'm looking for it. I see it in the rodent studies, but I don't think they're applicable. And then on the flip side, I think we have so much, just like Jim was talking about with, what was the the doctor? Dr. Cecily Ganhart. I mean, she actively uses it as a strategy to help her patients that are having trouble with fertility. Right, exactly. I think the issue is just that fasting, and I said it already, but it can, especially for a lot of women, very easily become too restrictive, but it doesn't have to. And it can actually be really incredible and really healing and really supportive of fertility. So it just depends on how you are doing the fasting. And, you know, any diet could be a problem for for women with with fertility if they're overdoing the restriction. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Maybe we can do it next week. We actually had another question that's sort of related to this. But in any case, yeah, this has been absolutely wonderful. If you would like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. Just fun fact, those are the way to submit questions. People keep DMing me on Instagram trying to submit questions. And I'm like, if you want it on the show, it's got to go through the email. Speaking of, you can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. I am Melanie Avalon. Jen is Jen Stevens. The show notes for today's episode, which will have a full transcript as well as links to everything that we talked about. Those will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 219. And lastly, you can get all of these stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. All right. Well, anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful, and I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.